This week's show is sponsored by Datadog. Built by engineers and for engineers, Datadog is a SaaS-based monitoring platform for cloud-scale infrastructure and applications. Sign up for a free trial and get a free t-shirt at datadog.com slash datanauts. In distributed storage systems and hyperconverged environments, storage is scattered across a bunch of hosts all over the network. Our question today, Datanauts, does performance suffer if a workload's data is across the network somewhere? Should workloads have local data to perform as well as they ought? In other words, does data locality matter? Back at Pushers.net, you can find this in all of our Datanauts shows about infrastructure engineering or just search for Datanauts spelled like astronauts in your favorite podcatcher. You can follow us at Datanauts underscore show. I'm Ethan Banks at EC Banks, and with me is the fabulous Chris Wall at Chris Wall, who always puts his data exactly where it belongs. And joining us today is Howard Marks. Howard's been on the show before, although it's been, uh, Howard, a couple of years, right? And uh, you're, you're, you're the man, the legend behind deep storage. Well, I'm not so sure about the legend, but, you know, I am pretty... <laughs> I, I am pretty so deep much in time the storage passes, You become a legend. I think that's just a duration thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Foskett put something on Slack the other day about, you know, Laplink, it's still around. And I responded with a link to my review of Laplink from the July 1987 issue of PC Magazine. So that's 30 years. So I guess I am a legend. Yeah, that puts you in legend status in my book, Howard. All right, let's take advantage of your legendary properties by asking you to first and foremost describe the data locality problem. Well, look, when we talk about storage, latency is the key metric. And anytime you add latency, you're going to slow things down. And so the idea is the closer the data is to the compute process that's accessing that data, the better things are going to perform. In the macro scale, that's ultimately true. Anybody who's tried to run a workload in AWS that's accessing a database that's still in their data center knows that if you get the database and the application too far apart, performance really suffers. The question at hand, however, is does that matter so much within the data center? And if I'm going to build most commonly a hyperconverged system, but this could be for containers too, a system that has compute and storage in the same x86 server. Does it make sense? Is there an advantage to keeping some of the data local to the SSDs or spinning disks on that server so that we don't have to go across the network and get it? This seems kind of weird to me to have this discussion from a certain point of view because Fiber Channel. I mean, we've had storage networks for a long time in that sense. And, you know, I realize that Fiber Channel and Ethernet are not the same thing and there's different network characteristics there. But storing our data across a network in the form of a SAN is a thing we've been doing for a long time and it's very accepted. We understand the performance and so on. And there's latency introduced there. So from that point of view, is data locality a new problem? Well, data locality is a new problem because in order to worry about it, you've got to have an environment where you have both local and remote storage. So in the old, old days, disk drives were connected directly to the systems that held the applications that ran that data. And everything was local and there was no remote, and so we didn't care. And then 
the pendulum swung and we moved to centralized storage with SANS and NAS because it vastly simplified management and because things like vMotion required multiple hosts to have access to the same storage. With hyperconvergence, when we move the storage process back into the server that's got the compute, now locality becomes an available option. And the question is, if I'm shopping for a product to solve my problems in my data center, how much should I care about locality? You know, some products make attempts at varying degrees to enforce locality so that data will be local so that it can be read without having to go across the network. And some say, you know, we're not going to worry about this. We're going to optimize location to even out the load across all of the nodes. And we're not going to be so worried about what the performance difference is between a local read and a remote read. So in other words, the problem is is different now because whereas Fiber Channel and those sorts of networks were dedicated to the function of storage, and you had hosts on the other end that were dedicated to the function of serving up storage, now we've got data distributed across hosts, and we're asking those hosts to perform some kind of work to bring back whatever the storage is that's been requested, object storage, a file, blocks, etc. Now those hosts have that work to do, so it's a different equation that's been introduced here. Well, that I mean, that's one element of it. You know, the way you described it, it sounds like, you know, the primary concern is how much CPU is the storage management process taking up? In terms of locality, it's more, all right, let's take a, a simplistic hyperconverged system. It's got six nodes and it's using three-way replication. So for every virtual machine for every VMDK, there's three copies of that file. It's going to be stored on three nodes. If I'm on a system that has locality, one of those copies is always going to be on a local disk. And by disk, I include SSD. And the other two will be on remote systems. And on a system that doesn't enforce locality, those three copies are going to be distributed based on whatever other algorithm the designer of the system used to load balance across the nodes. On the system that has locality, when I do a read, I'm reading from the local SSD and I'm not reaching across the network. And assuming that it's the same SSD in all six of these nodes, that read's going to be faster. The question is, is it going to be enough faster to make up for the other complexities that keeping data local on that disk introduces mm. and do i care yeah because all things being equal if i could always source a block or a file or whatever it is that i'm reading locally i'm not a huge fan of the word locally but you know what i mean like something directly on the bus of yeah I mean, servers but and in, in in this conversation locally means within that x86 sure server. it's not egressing the nick in any way right uh, if i could do that i mean that's kind of a no-brainer that, that kind of feels like the the perception of is this a real gain versus an imagined gain? Well, yeah, if if I could just exclude all other variables and factor it to just am I going to go somewhere to get it or am I getting it locally? I feel like that answer is, of course, yes, local will be better. But what you're what you're really stating is that that is one variable in a very long list of variables to consider where perhaps the actual traversal of the data local is much quicker 
but there may be other complexities, like you were saying, like the processes and, and such to do that. What happens if I have my two biggest VMs and the combination of the two of them is more than the storage on in one node? Mm. Assuming I'm working on a system that enforces strict locality, now I can't put both of those VMs on that host. Even if it's just so I can do maintenance on another host, I can't even do it temporarily. You know, what happens if my two busiest VMs end up on the same host? Now that one SSD is getting hammered with reads. You're pointing out there's trade-offs here if you start getting real serious about uh, locality and making sure that that workload is local, then there are these other risks you've you've just introduced or potential bottlenecks you've introduced into the system. Right. If we start looking at locality, at first glance, it is intuitively the right thing to do. Right. You know, the first time I sat at Tech Field Day and a vendor described that this was what they were doing, I said, wow, that's a great idea. Well, okay. So I want to I qualify one more bit about locality here because we're going to get into the butt. I just – I know I cut you off. We're going to get into the butt in, in a lot of detail. There's data locality within a data center, which I think is the context that we've had so far. Now, what about data locality as related to cloud? In other words, it's possible to store things up in uh, you know Amazon. That's a very different data locality sort of issue with a different – set of use cases. Just so we're very clear here, does that you know, data locality as related to storing things in the cloud when your compute resources may be in your local data center, is, is that part of this conversation at all? It is a completely different conversation. Data locality is intensely important when we start talking about multiple physical locations that are milliseconds apart in network latency. Generally, we don't talk about data locality. We talk about data gravity, how migrating an application that's got a huge database to AWS is difficult because you got to get the huge database to AWS, and it's going to take time to get the huge database to AWS, and the huge database is going to be being modified while it's in transit. So we have all of those problems about how do we make sure we get the final version up into AWS. Those things are big problems, and, and I don't want to belittle them at all. You know, we're, we're really talking here within a cluster within the data center. How important is locality? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, wait, I'm kind of curious then. It sounds like data locality is not a problem from what I'm hearing because there's other well, things to consider. Like, it could be a data locality is a benefit. But it's not like if the data has to be fetched remotely, it's a problem because we've been fetching data remotely over <laughs> NFS, iSCSI, who knows, you know, all sorts of protocols forever. And really, like less than five milliseconds round trip time is anything within that range is considered for most general applications to be just fine. Yeah. So data locality is a design option for the distributed file system that is the storage layer in this hypothetical hyper-converged or containerized environment we're building. And you hit the main question here, Chris, which is, okay, there's additional latency when I go across the network. That's kind of a given. The question is, is there significant additional latency when I go across the network? 
is the performance going across the network going to be so much worse that I'm willing to sacrifice other things like data efficiency in order to get that performance boost? And so the first place I looked at that is to look at the relative latency of the elements in the chain. So the vast majority of HCI and containerized environments run 10 gig Ethernet. The vast majority of them that do hyperconvergence of one sort or another use SATA SSDs. The latency on those SATA SSDs is hundreds of microseconds to seven to 800 microseconds. You know, they're going to push a millisecond. And write latency can be substantially worse because it varies a lot from model to model. So the question is, if that SSD has 200, 300, 500 microseconds of latency, how much additional latency does reaching it across the network add? The answer there is, you know, 150 microseconds at worst. And if we start talking about RMA access and protocols like NVMe over fabrics, I've seen remote NVMe over fabric systems deliver 120 microseconds latency, including the SSD latency. And I've seen hyperconverged systems where the difference between local and remote using NVMe over fabrics is 40 microseconds. So... If we're saying I'm going to add 50 microseconds or 100 microseconds or 150 microseconds to 700 microseconds, then that's a, you know, I don't really care. I don't view hyperconverged solutions as where I'm going to run my highest performance applications. Hyperconverged environments are where I'm going to run all of my important but not core to the mission of the industry VMs. And those VMs, like you said, you were saying five milliseconds. I'll go to two. Two milliseconds <laughs> is, is perfectly reasonable performance. I mean, five, five is like the tolerance. To, I mean, obviously we want one or two, but you know, I've, I've even seen workloads work where it's like 10, you know, that's bad. But well, I mean, I'm look, just trying to say it's it's not like it's nanosecond not, or bust, you know. It's it's not that long ago where 10, mi- 10 milliseconds was really good performance. That's what you got from yeah. high-end symmetrics. Yeah. And sure, my applications will run faster, but there's only two speeds, fast enough and not fast enough. <laughs> that's true. If the users do an order entry screen updates faster than they can move their attention back to the first field to fill in the next thing, then it doesn't matter that that took a hundredth of a second or a thousandth of a second. The user's the bottleneck. And, and once I make the user the bottleneck, my job's done. All right, I got to admit, I had to shift my brain a bit to think about the downstream dependencies on the external storage because it's way more than the, oh, there's things going over the network. There's data traversing the network, so it's slower. That's like one piece of a very big puzzle. And so it it caused me to shift my thinking just a bit, which is always cool. What about you, Ethan? 
I latched on to Howard's point about there's only two speeds, fast enough and not fast enough. Uh, Really getting right down to the guts of how an application needs to perform. And you can fuss all day about microseconds and milliseconds, but depending on your application, it might not matter. It might not matter in the way you think it does. And I thought he encapsulated it perfectly when he said fast enough versus not fast enough. Hey, Datanauts listeners, we are going to take a truly quick break from our show to honor our noble sponsor, Datadog. Datadog is a SaaS-based monitoring platform that provides dev and ops teams with a unified view of all their systems, apps, and services. Thousands of organizations rely on Datadog to track the performance of more than 200 technologies, including Amazon Web Services, Chef, Docker, and MySQL, all things that we have covered on this show. With built-in dashboards, algorithmic alerts, and end-to-end request tracing, Datadog helps teams monitor every layer of their stack in one place. Start a free trial today and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt at datadog.com slash datanauts. One more time for that free trial and a free t-shirt, go to datadog.com slash datanauts. Okay, at this point, we know data locality either is or is not the problem. Depending on certain things, it depends. I feel like I'm consulting again. Uh, So let's turn the nerd knobs up to 11 here and go over a transaction. You know, if we look at every step along the way, maybe we can help break down where both the latency, which is important, and the bottlenecks for that latency exist. So Howard, talking about distributed source system, let's look at a transaction, I, I suppose, starting at the application layer. Let's start there. Okay. And we'll look at a read and then we'll look at a write. So aren't they the same? No, I'm kidding. Okay, go. Ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so if I'm sure only, everyone's away. This is where Ethan has it easy. Data going left and data going right are the same in the network. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so for a read, an application makes a request to Windows or Linux and says, "I want this data," and that goes through the local file system to figure out what LBA on the virtual disk on the VM it is, and then goes out to the virtual SCSI adapter in the VM, which goes to the hypervisor. The hypervisor then has to do a look in its file system, if it's VMFS, or pass it on to the storage system if it's talking NFS. But either way, it's then, okay, so logical block 67 in wall2.vmdk then has to be resolved through multiple layers of file system to a physical block on a spinning disk or an SSD. Now, all of that, the lookups and so on, I'm assuming that's actually a really fast process that a lot of it is cached? It is a really fast process. Most of that metadata is in memory. You know, we're talking a low number of microseconds. And the code to do this kind of call, this is going to be pretty mature stuff, standard libraries, not wild bleeding edge stuff, but for the most part. I mean, I understand there's you know newer storage technologies that come down and some time to mature, but by and large, this should be pretty boring stuff that's happening. This is well understood stuff. And it's the host operating system has a file system, and then the hypervisor has a file system. And we need to work through both layers. And the potential bottlenecks here would be... CPU? Yeah, we can get bottlenecked, you know, we can get bottlenecked on CPU, we can get bottlenecked on everybody's trying to read from the same SSD, but different 
data. So we bottleneck at the SSD. But by the time we get down to, okay, the, the storage layer has figured out where this block lives, if the system's got locality, that's going to then be a reference to the local SSD. But it could be a reference to something across the network? If the system doesn't have locality, or if the system only has partial locality. So with the system that the guys that talk about locality most, who I'm specifically not naming, their system, when you vMotion a VM from one host to another, new data that's accessed gets stored on the local SSD, but they don't drag the old data along and waste all that network bandwidth to make sure that they have a full copy. But if it's the end of the quarter and now I'm doing a big report, but that VM moved a couple of days ago, I'm going to access parts of the database that haven't moved yet. And so some of those are going to be local references and some of them are going to be remote references. If it's a system that doesn't do locality, then there's some probability. In fact, in our little example where I've got six nodes and three-way replication, there's a 50-50 chance the data just happens to be local that the system didn't insist on it being local, but that's where it landed. Hey, but either are way, are we assuming that the entire VMDK is what we're replicating here? Or are we talking like individual blocks on the VMDK? Like 50-50 um, chance the whole VMDK is local or not? Or like pieces and parts that we need? So that would be a 50-50 chance that the whole VMDK would be there. Okay, Because you're talking three-way replication as opposed to like erasure coding. Right. Now, of course, a designer of that storage system could have said, you know, I'm going to stripe things in one gigabyte stripes. And then some one gigabyte stripes will be local and some wouldn't. You know, yeah, that's, that's kind of that, where my that, mind was at. Yeah. Now, you know, if we're talking about something like vSAN, if you didn't play with the nerd knobs, it's the whole VMDK. Okay. Got it. If you do play with the nerd knobs, then, you know, you played with the nerd knobs. and I don't. He have? told me not to. He keep, I've got a <laughs> couple bruises on my hand. I tried to not nerd knob i'm too busy building cool stuff yeah the point bill being you can do th you can do three-way replication which doesn't necessarily mean it's the whole vmdk you could be striping got it right okay so 50 50 chance it's somewhere local or not but either way it sounds like in most scenarios we're gonna be if, fetching something remote if we're fetching from a sata ssd then the remote fetch is gonna be you know 10 percent longer than the local fetch which for most users, for most applications, is kind of the threshold of noticeability. Really, 10%. That's the thing. Oh, okay. So the storage layer figures out where the block is it needs to get. And that we don't have any you know, distinction in the time it takes to figure that out, whether it's local or remote. Figuring out where it's got to go takes X amount of time. And then the actual – you're saying the actual call – when it actually goes to do the read operation, whether it happens to be off local disk or across the network, if it's local, it's speed X. If it's remote, you're saying it's speed X plus 10%? Well, it's kind of more speed X plus, you know, some fixed number of microseconds of latency. Because we're making a call across the network, which has presumably some fixed characteristic, where if it's a properly laid out network, that's going to be a predictable amount of latency. Right. No. And, you know, and the other advantage of locality is that it does minimize network traffic. Mm -hmm. If 80% of my reads come from the local SSD, then those IOs didn't go across the network. And that's kind of the one indisputable advantage. 
Because you're reducing the opportunity for contention across the network. You, certainly, you're, you're reducing latency, but then you're also reducing the chance for contention, an unpredictable amount of latency if something in the network path is congested. But maybe, maybe latency has been fixed, I think is the point. Like, maybe, because there might be other considerations that add latency that the network would have been less latency. I mean, obviously, yes, you're reducing the congestion. I won't argue there, but it feels like latency is a, is a shell game. You know, it's like well, 10, it, it, 10 it units comes... of latency on the network, 15 on the storage. It's like, ah, wow, where's it going to be? Right. Well, it, it all depends on what the relative latency is. Yeah, um, I, I, just, but, I just feel like but, we've kind of solved the network piece of the equation for a long time. Well, so for trying to get rid of network IO for the, the kind of clusters that we're talking about, you know, for 16 x86 servers running, you know, yeah, 2000 good... VMs, each with dual 10 gig NICs, I don't see network congestion as a problem. Most people who run external storage via iSCSI have the same pair of 10 gig NICs. And in that case, 100% of the storage I.O. is going across the network. Right, right. And that's typically, that's where you factor the math on the bottlenecking and whatnot. Right. But I just, I don't see, you know, moderately busy hosts generating enough traffic to say that 20 gigabits per second of bandwidth isn't nearly enough. You know, that's something like, well, I did the math to calculate it out to 4K IOPS. You know, what 10 megabits per second was in 4K IOPS. And it was, you know, something like 75,000 IOPS. Pretty healthy amount, yeah. Well, remember, that's per node. And that's assuming 100% remote. Our six-node system, you know, is then going to be delivering a couple of 100,000 IOPS. And we still are less than saturating the network 50%. All right. So we've gone across the network. We've landed on the disk because eventually, whether it's local or remote, you're pulling something off of the disk. Now, I guess there's a mix of scenarios here, Howard, where we've been talking about SSD. Are there situations where we're still hitting rotational latency because it's not an SSD? And that's something we got to consider? But in that case, the device latency of seven milliseconds is so much higher than the network latency of one millisecond that I don't care. So we're talking about SSDs because with SATA SSDs, the network latency might matter. You might feel it. Yeah. You might feel it. And, you know, and if we start saying that we're talking about remote NVMe SSDs or remote 3D crosspoint SSDs, well, then you're going to feel it. But then it's, wow, I've got the very fastest storage medium in the world to run Exchange. And your users aren't going to send email any faster. Right, because <laughs> right. the bottleneck in that case is, you know, it's the way people use the system. I don't know, Jevin's paradox. You give more resources, they're going to start emailing 10 times faster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so where, where in this equation, Howard, of this whole chain of events would like uh, erasure coding or striping fit in and, and be adding latency is that there's two things so we went through a read we haven't yet gone through a write and let me do that and then let's talk about erasure coding and data deduplication and those things because they're interesting so on a write we have the same you know an application says write this data to this byte range within this file 
and the operating system figures out which logical blocks on the VMDK that is, and it passes it off to the hypervisor, which figures out where that is physically. And then here's the big difference between most HCI solutions and most external arrays. In an external array, that data gets sent via iSCSI or NFS or fiber channel or fiber channel over token ring to the array. And the array stores it in non-volatile RAM, which is the fastest storage medium we have because it's just DRAM with flash backup. So it runs at DRAM speeds. And once the data is safe in NVRAM, it acknowledges. And for the application, once it receives the acknowledgement, that's how that's the determinant of performance. Anything that happens after the acknowledgement doesn't matter. The application goes up, that's done. HCI systems don't have NVRAM because they run in standard x86 servers. So the HCI system has to get the data and write it to the SSD before it can acknowledge. In a hyperconverged system with locality, one copy gets written to the local SSD, and then the other copy or the other two copies gets written to remote SSDs. The question is, when do you acknowledge? I'm a storage guy. That means I'm paranoid. And so I don't want the application to think its data is safe until its data is safe on two hosts because servers are inherently unreliable devices and they fail all the time. And if we've written to the local SSD, but we haven't yet written to the remote SSD, and then that host purple screens or bursts into flames, we've lost our data. So on a write, locality means I have to wait for one acknowledgement so that it's written local and at least one remote site. And getting that acknowledgement is going to be dependent on the actual process. As you're saying, if you're writing to two different – because you got an x86 box, doesn't have fancy NVRAM, you're, you want to do two writes effectively to make sure that it's there because of the – you know we've all experienced that server bursting into flames problem. Well, I certainly have. I've made a whole video out of it, but yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he likes to burn servers and whatnot with uh, – what was that? Thermite? It's thermite, yes. <laughs> yeah. Stay away. Don't oh, let man. this guy in your data center. He, he'll make your DR plan actually a reality. Yeah, but it's actually the parts that are based on file system metadata, like erasure coding and deduplication and clones – that I think is the biggest problem with locality. Every time you hear anybody talk about locality, they talk about a replicated system because conceptually that's very simple. But let's take that hyperconverged system and say we're going to make it do erasure coding. It's going to do four plus two erasure coding. That means that on the local host, I have a quarter of the data, not all the data. And so I'm going to start making remote calls to remote hosts to read data, and all my reads aren't local. This gets really interesting. We start saying, okay, I have my production database, and I created five metadata clones for five of my developers to use to hit the full-size production database and test their code. Those five SQL servers or MySQL servers 
are going to be distributed across multiple hosts in the hyperconverged system. Which ones have that data local? It's all the same data. I'm guessing zero technically. Since well, it's erasure coded. If, if I if I'm also using erasure coded zero, but if I'm still okay. using replicas, then it then comes it out just like I wasn't using locality at all. And sometimes you have it local by luck, and sometimes you don't. <laughs> hmm. Would something in the stack not kind of enforce the workload clone to live on a node that has local data, though? Or, or is that an option? Well, if we're talking about you know Nutanix AHV, which is you know a hypervisor and management system designed to run exclusively in hyperconverged mode, they're smart enough that when when their equivalent of DRS runs, it takes locality into account, and Got you know it. there's some other things there. But VMware doesn't know anything about locality. Right? VMware sees the hyperconverged data store as an NFS data store, and it's just one data store. It doesn't know where any of the data is stored. There's no APIs for giving the hypervisor that information. Ah, so it's making decisions independent of the storage layout, if you will, based on compute and memory and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same problem as you have with you know storage DRS, where you say, okay, I'm going to create three data stores from this array. And yeah. the array starts to get bogged down, and storage DRS starts to move data from one data store on the array to a second data store on the same <laughs> array, where it won't do you any yeah. good, you know, because it just doesn't know. And so when we start talking about dedupable data, then you just not going to find locality. So in the hyperconverged world, my take on locality is the benefit I get from it is small till we get to very high performance systems where I'm not a huge believer in hyperconvergence anyway. Well, after having this discussion where we're breaking down all the components of that storage call, I kind of felt like, yay, the network is vindicated because there's so much other stuff going on that's higher latency that assuming the network is performing well, it doesn't really matter so much. But then again, there's a lot to be said about the network performing well. So, I mean, there's things we didn't actually get into in that conversation that could change it a little bit. We're assuming a consistent network profile that where all the hosts are equidistant, like in a leaf spine network and so on, which is a safe assumption for many data center designs, but maybe not in others. But by and large, I liked the point that the network latency is really, on a percentage basis, kind of a small number of microseconds that we're worried about compared to the entirety of the storage transaction. What were your thoughts, Chris? Well, kind of similar to my last one. I wasn't really aware of all the caveats involved with data locality. I just felt like, hey, it's local. That means I can grab it. That's always a good thing. But when we started to kind of mind map the app layer down through, you know, the disk network, bus layers, all that kind of jazz. And then you start sprinkling in all the dependencies for different use cases. Like I want to clone a workload or just have like a replica, like a link clone or even erasure coding, which we talked about a couple shows ago uh, when we had Jay Metz on. I mean, sheesh, my brain hurts. There's a lot going on there. So Howard, I want to dive into... Mm, with a lot of these solutions, you, you've got implications if you begin to move data locally. So we, we were just talking about all the different bottlenecks in the in the chain. We were talking about kind of like the special cases as, as you move data. If you do move it locally, then there's implications for that and, and for the performance profile. 
we've come to the conclusion that the network element, the part of I have to go across the network to retrieve a block of data or write a block of data, isn't likely to be your bottleneck. And now, okay, so I want to take this further. Let's say that we do begin to move data locally, and that's a, you know, a big part of our equation. There's got to be an optimization algorithm that moves data around the network because VMs can move and frequently do move to different hosts. What happens to our data locality if that VM moves? What happens? Well, the most common solution is that the VM moves partially. You know, again, assuming we're on a replicated, not an erasure-coded system, DRS says this web server needs to move to that host. There isn't already a copy of the data on that host. And so the system reads data from the remote. As it reads that data, it saves it on the local SSD. And as it writes new data, it writes it to the local SSD plus the additional replicas. And so the hot data very quickly populates on the local SSD. And any cold data that's part of that VMDK remains where it is. Oh, so you end up with a... Well, you you end up kind of getting the benefits of of data locality. But again, cold data reads you're doing across the network. So you lose some of it. I mean, does it ever catch up? Or is it it has to actually read... It has to have a reason to read all that cold data. It has to have a reason because otherwise you're both making the disks on two or more hosts busy and the network between them just to catch up with locality. Well, we're talking like it would happen this way all the time. I mean, I suppose it could be different in a VMware solution versus a Nutanix solution versus whoever else. Yeah, theoretically you would, but none of the systems that that are on the market today do. They all end up being doing this partial thing. Okay. Which eliminates kind of the one advantage I keep hearing from administrators that they like is, you know, they know where their data is. But as soon as they pick up their VM and move it somewhere else, they don't. Well, yeah, but it's kind of, you know, knowing where your data is is a concept storage guys have to give up on. It's, you know, storage storage systems today are smarter than storage guys about data placement and wanting to be able to go, yes, my exchange servers on disks one, three, five, and seven. Who cares? The storage system put the data away. It's going to bring it back. Knowing exactly where it went is beyond your need to know. That's interesting because I guess I've only been concerned at the kind of logical container level for quite some time. Like the data I need is at this data store and data store could be anything, you know, uh, symmetrics with fast or I don't care. Like that's all I need to know because then I can find the file. I haven't really cared about the disk, the LUN, the volume, not for some time. I mean, back in the day for sure, but it's been a while since I've really cared at that granularity. Well, you uh, so are relatively it, enlightened for a storage guy. <laughs> I guess I I just assumed that that was universally true. I don't know. That'd be a good kind of poll. Like, do you do you care what what disk yeah, it's on? It feels you, like well, do you care about knowing what disk it's on? Yeah. No. No. I mean, it, it, and it feels like in most systems today, it's not possible. It's on every disk. It's been you know, white striped right. across everything. I have no idea. Yeah, but in a way that's at the root of this conversation, though, because we're talking about the you know, whether or not data locality especially matters. And so I mean, you guys are talking about a more granular form of uh, managing your data. But here we're talking about managing it so that it's local to us and we're not having to go across the network to do reads and writes, which is a form of controlling where that data is. Although it sounds like it doesn't matter. And as soon as you move a VM... 
you've lost that advantage anyway. Well, the advantage gets diminished in many ways. And, you know, the defenders of locality say, well, you know, our worst case is the same as their best case. And, you know, returning to there are only two speeds fast enough and not fast enough. I'd rather have fast enough, but a little bit slower and consistent than slightly faster. Sounds like we're talking about cars on a, on a highway or a racetrack and not data. Well, it's like, do you want to drive the speed limit with airbags or do you, or do you want to just rip roar 200 miles an hour and a, a parachute on your back? I don't know. Well, it's, I mean, it's more, you know, what makes the phone ring and what makes customers unhappy? The answer to that is bad performance, mm, but true. bad performance is always relative to what they have seen before. If it always takes three and a half minutes to run that report, and one day it took four minutes to run that report, if it always takes three and a half minutes and one day it took five minutes, that's worse than it always takes four minutes every day. Yes, because you've got a disparity in what the normal experience is. Well, okay, though, performance-wise then, some workloads are going to be much more disk I.O. intensive than other workloads. So do you think there's a case to be made for data locality in the case of particularly I.O. intensive workloads? Well, when we start talking about particularly I.O. intensive workloads, then I might start looking at alternate architectures for storage altogether. And not say, you know, and because the other thing about hyperconvergence is you're sharing the CPUs between the storage process and the compute process. And so when a lot of storage I.O. goes on, especially when there's a lot of writes in a system that's doing data deduplication, that's going to start using a lot of CPU. And that CPU being used by the storage process isn't available to run the VM. If I want to, if I have applications where the key thing is low latency, consistent performance, well, then I might want to have a local SSD in the host that acts as a write-through cache. So, it sounds like you're talking about you're talking about a storage solution that's non non HCI at this point, but still giving us yes. locality. Okay. Yes. So if I, if I look at, you know, a system like Datrium or, you know, you could build this yourself by using, you know, FlashSoft and a local SSD, you know, this is the, you know, we talked five, six years ago a lot about server-side caching. And as a technology, it didn't take off for various reasons. But the concept there is we store the data locally. So what Datrium does is, you have SSDs in your local host, and those SSDs are a write-through cache. So all the data being written by the VMs on that host is cached in that SSD. Persistence is from an external device. So we don't have to worry about maintaining persistence. When a VM moves from one host to another, the cache has to rewarm, but we don't have to move any of the cold data because the cold data is all on the centralized persistent store anyway. And so that seems to get me get you the benefits 
in terms of performance because it's in the cache without the persistence complications. And since Datrium does data deduplication, it means that the local SSDs hold all of the hot data being accessed by the local VMs, even if that ends up being multiple copies. But again, this is unique to, to Datrium. In other words, it's just another approach that a vendor took to address this. Well, it's the, it's the same approach you would have if you had just caching software like FlashSoft that did a write-through cache on each of your hosts. That you know, locality goes, oh, we're going to accelerate things. Then you say, okay, so now I'm going to deduplicate the data. Well, that means that only the one or two or three hosts that have the hot copy of that block that's being accessed by everybody is it going to be local the cost of flash has come down enough that i don't mind rehydrating my hottest data into having local copies in multiple hosts to get that performance it's locality and persistence the combination that seems to be a, a area where you get diminishing returns. But you, you are, you did just answer the question about disk IO intensive workloads that there is a case to be made for data locality and, and there's approaches on the market that deal with that uh, to the point of having multiple copies sitting on flash on multiple hosts, just to make sure you've got a local copy. Seems so to me. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And not to mention if it was really a high-performance application, well, then I want to go with things like NVMe over Fabrics. And, you know, if you're going to bother putting a Hemi in there, put a blower on it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, Howard, you're answering the question. Well, we're going back to – it depends, aren't we? Because we're saying, by and large, data locality doesn't matter in certain situations, you know, the typical HCI solution, et cetera, because the – where you're going to get the most hit, where you're going to get the biggest hit is not in network transport. It's going to be in the actual disk read and write operations. That's just where the latency, by and large, is to be found. However, in other situations where you're doing a lot of – disk reads and writes, the percentage gain you're going to get by having that data local maybe really does matter for in certain workload profiles. And so you got to sit back and kind of understand your problem pretty intimately. If, if your workload really demands faster performance, you know, if you really demand sub 800 microsecond latency, then, you know, you have to designed specifically for that you're going i need to go fast this is not what you get from the ford or the chevy dealer you have to go look at a ferrari um the question is you know do you need ceramic brake pads on your firebird <laughs> right yes okay. yes i do oh. and i need t-tops on my camaro okay well, folks, this is taking us to the end of this discussion today. And I, and just if you're listening to this, just to get some more background on this, this whole conversation with how it started because he wrote a white paper at deepstorage.net about hyperconvergence and data locality and whether or not it matters. Howard, that was just for full disclosure. That was sponsored by VMware or VMware worked with you on that in some way? That was sponsored by VMware. It was, you know, they said we'd like to 
put your thoughts about this on paper. And so I did. Our friends at Nutanix, who feel proprietary about locality, responded. Our friends at Datrium responded. So there's an interesting collection of literature accumulating on the topic. If you as a Datanauts listener want to dig into this topic even more deeply, go read Howard's white paper at deepstorage.net. You can read the Nutanix response uh, by a, uh, well, Josh Audrey's is a, is a Nutanix uh, employee that wrote a, a lengthy commentary on the white paper and you know, made a lot of points there. And then uh, Andre mm, Libvici, see if I got that even close, at Datrium also responded. We've got all those links in the show notes. So if you go to packetpushers.net and uh, look up this show, which uh, should be just look up does data locality matter, um, you will find that in all these links and can do a lot of reading and get your nerd on uh, digging through these very technical documents about this. Howard, how can people follow you on the internet? Well, they can find me on the Twitters at, at DeepStorageNet. Um, they can find Deep Storage, my analyst firm and testing lab, at DeepStorage.net. And I'm frequently at events. Just look for Santa Claus in an Aloha shirt. There you go. <laughs> and that is it for today's edition of the Data Knots Podcast. You can find me. I am at EC Banks on Twitter, my blog, EthanCBanks.com, and PacketPushers.net is where you will find most of my writing. Chris is at Chris Wall on Twitter, and his blog is WallNetwork.com. For more of our Data Knot shows about infrastructure engineering, nosedive down the rabbit hole that is PacketPushers.net. You'll find the Data Knots talking about orchestration and cloud migration, instantiation, certification, packetization, containerization, full stackification, and so much more. Until then, may your server lights blink, your storage latency be low, and your cables be cleanly managed. You're like, I don't know, the good gremlin, what was his name? You know what I'm talking about, right? Gizmo. You're like Gizmo. <laughs> 